clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught, caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown. Captain goes. He'll be chased and he is gone. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. Stop it! Oh, please! <laughs> what a catch! That's insane! That's insane! The game's final play is a Wilson lock to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who do they give it to? Welcome into simultaneous catch, folks. Oh, we're just going to talk My about this. My name is Adam Jeffrey Rossi. The yeah, entire this is, show. This is NPR, simultaneous catch. Championship weekend, I'm everybody. I'm leaning back. I'm holding my mic. We just got to make sure that we're uh, prepared. The best weekend of football is over. It's already happened. I'm not going to say that there weren't good games. There were good games. I don't know if it was the best weekend of football, though. Well, I feel like usually it's not. Ever Bron- since you yeah. taught I mean, me that a couple know. years ago, it's just really been a big letdown. I can't think of who where I first heard that, but I I don't I don't I don't know if I'm I convinced that you it made anymore. it up yourself. You know, it, it may be, but I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to keep it calm today. Cause yeah. So wherever you guys are, I'm having a I'm having a, a tough day mentally. You're having a tough day. Yeah, it's just I it can't get out of my head. But also, ah, we've just been uh, playing some games. I man. had a really it was nice. It helped me a lot because I had a really bad dream last night. Um, but also usually Adam's bad dreams are about me killing him. Everybody. I, you were, you were part of the bad dream. Um, and occasionally he sees ghosts in his room and pull him out of his bed. I did see that once. It was pretty scary. Anyway. So let's talk about some NFL. Yeah. And I, I'm also, you know, I just want to, for my, uh, heart health, I want to try to remain calm on the show knowing it's not going to happen on Sunday. (laughs) So well, yeah. I am determined to make that not happen today. All right. Well, rant rave recall. Let's go. Are you ready? I don't, I don't have one. I'm ready you for you. A, so I wrote down rant, but I don't feel like ranting right now. Well, I want to rant. All right. I am gonna rant about the national media. Oh boy, here we go. I am sick and tired of. I'm not even so sick and tired of people having an opinion because I get it. You have an opinion. You have an opinion. <laughs> I am tired of people having opinions. I'm tired. I, I'm tired of people having my opinions. Here's my opinion on it. Uh, no, I'm tired of people in the media not just having an opinion, but 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 having an opinion to the level that is so cocky. It drives me nuts. I think that maybe maybe that's they're doing it on purpose so that they can get views. And if they are, good job. But I'm sick and tired of people like Nick Wright saying we have no chance. I'm sick and tired of people like Scott Pioli, a former GM of a football team, saying when asked the question, uh, what do the Chiefs have to do or 
to beat the Bills in the AFC title game. And he said, if Pat Mahomes is playing, not much. I'm tired and tired of it because I wanted to come into this game super calm and just ready to go. And then all of a sudden, everybody is picking the Chiefs, not a single person. The only person I've seen pick the Bills picked them 59 to 56 in double overtime. So it's basically a joke. The other guy I saw pick Buffalo was Skip Bayless on Undisputed. And he only did it because he said, well, I said the Ravens were going to win it. So I'm just going to pick the Bills because the Bills beat the Ravens because he doesn't like the Chiefs. That's the only reason he did it. I Again, I'm excited for a game, but I don't. Why do people have to be rude when they have their opinions? Are we are we rude when we have our opinions? Yes. I don't. Are we? No, we're not. You're being. <laughs> I don't know. You're pretty rude about Tom Brady. Because uh, I hate Tom Brady. Well, but here's the thing. I still give like Josh I give Tom Allen. Brady props when Tom Brady plays well, and he played poorly last weekend, and they were lucky to win that game. That's all I have to say. I. But regardless, agree. I just about Brady? I don't get why people have to be rude when they go on air. Why do you have to? Why can't you say if you if you think the Chiefs are going to win by a lot, that's fine. You can say I just think the Chiefs are too much. Pat Mahomes is very good. Buffalo's had a very good season, but Pat Mahomes is going to win. Why do you have to laugh and say Buffalo has no chance? That what? drives me up a wall. There's my rant. It was not very ranty. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, it's just uh, that's not that's not good media. In the way, I don't think like, it is. I mean, it's it's entertainment. I know what you're saying. That's, that's what they're trying to do. That's what that is what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, Nick Wright's literally on a debate show. You're right. Where, you're right. That's you know, a good point. Like, well, he's also a Chiefs fan. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously so. that that helps too. So, <laughs> but it's just the fact that I mean, like, we talk about it all the time. Like the guys on first take or Skip and Shannon, they all have to take opposing viewpoints, even yeah. if they don't necessarily yeah. even think that. I think half the times, but you know, it's just. This is this is what you live for, though, as as a Buffalo fan, and I mean, a Buffalo yeah, player. Yeah, like it, they have how good it will feel if we don't. You know what I mean? It's just they have nothing to lose, so why not just go throw it at them? So I do agree with that. I think that, and I said this off air just before. I said, well, now with everything happening, we're either going to come out so overjuiced that we're going to make mistakes, or we're going to come out guns a-blazing and punch him in the mouth right away. I hope it's the latter, not the former. You always do. But I just didn't expect there to be so much disrespect this late. You know what I mean? And again, this is the first time I've had a team go this far in almost any sport that I like. Uh, even when I was rooting for teams like the in basketball, like the Miami Heat and the Lakers, it's just because I was rooting for those players that I liked. It's not because they're my team. You know what I mean? Like I've never had a team that I love that much go this far, so maybe maybe there is always some disrespect. But I haven't heard anybody disrespect the Bucks, the Packers, or the Chiefs. It's just the Bills. And I'm like, we got this far too. It, it we're a good team. You don't have to disrespect us. You can say that you don't think that we're as good as KC, but well, I mean that's just always going to happen. And not to like shift it towards towards the Packers at oh, all, but okay. I mean think about last year. Last year was the oh, worst, you're right. the they worst thirteen three team and in that's stupid history. as hell. So it's just I hate you it. know <laughs> I guess it's their job to be finding topics to talk about, especially it gets hard this time of year. There's four teams left, so right. we're not talking about thirty two football right. teams right now. Find, so you have to find just nitpicky I'll, things to talk let's, about. Let's let's make this a, di- a different conversation for a second. So I love that you brought that up about last year. So let's say this. Do you think because you got very frustrated during the NFC title game last year, I remember. 
It was you, not fun. Do you think that you were more frustrated because people had doubted you guys and disrespected you all week and you were like, oh, man, this is going to give them a chance to get on us? Or did it not really affect that at all for you? Um, No, I don't, I don't know. I think mostly, I mean, like, obviously it's not fun to see your team not really be able to put up a punch. I right, think. right. I think in both of these games we'll probably see all four teams take punches at each other, which is I think will make for a good weekend. I think it was mostly the fact that they just looked just defeated very yeah, early on in the game. Yeah. And so it was kind of a thing. Maybe it ties into what you're asking where it seems like it was proving everybody and all the things they said correct. Right. And that's, which also yeah. isn't fun when... That's what I'm most afraid of. I'm most afraid of us losing by a lot and then being like, look, we told you they suck. And I'm like, but we don't. And I feel like, you know, that's just maybe comes with the territory of maybe you're of right you're, this yeah. far. Yeah, that's true. So, regardless, there's my rant. Let's uh let's talk about a few things before we get into the games. So we have a lot of coaching hires and things that we haven't talked about. Uh coaching not hires if you will. Doug Peterson is taking a year off from football. So, talking about those uh coaching hires that have happened thus far, uh, in the year, what are your opinions on some of those? So I kind of previewed this earlier in the day when I woke up to see the Indy hire, or sorry, the Philly hire of the Indy OC. I think for the most part, I understood why people like Eric Bieniemy weren't hired yet. Uh, one, because they were falling the playoffs and all these coaches and GMs and uh, all these GMs and presidents and owners they want to get their guy as soon as possible so that they can get the staff that they want i get that uh i also get why most of the people were chosen uh i think of so all- let's i'm gonna pause you right yeah, there sorry so robert sala yeah, defensive coordinator of the 49ers the got jets. hired to the jets mm-hmm. arthur smith the oc of the tennessee mm-hmm. titans got hired for the head coaching position of the falcons urban meyer a famous college coach who's had a very illustrious college career got hired to be the head coach of the Jaguars. We talked about that last week's show. Brandon Staley Chargers. So he got hired by the Chargers. He was the defensive coordinator of the LA Rams. Last two years, I believe. I believe so. And here is the one you were just talking about. I actually don't even know how to say his last name. Nick Sirianni? Sirianni is correct, yes. Uh, So he just got hired as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles after being the OC... For the Indianapolis Colts, I do agree. That's that's a weird one. Oh, and Dan Campbell, and Dan sorry, Campbell. So, hired for of the Detroit. So the only Lions. opening left is Houston, which is not a shocker. Uh, it's probably the least coveted job, especially with the question marks on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, for sure. Uh, although Deshaun has been very open that he wants Eric Bieniemy, so I really hope that's where he ends up. I will say this: there are three hires that I scratch my head at. It's Arthur Smith. In Atlanta. Yeah, I agree with that. It's Sirianni for Philly. And not a ton, but still a little, Dan Campbell in Detroit. I actually love that hire. The more and more I've heard his comments, the more and more I'm a little weary about it. Uh, I don't think he needed to be so graphic in his press conference. Uh, I think it's... I I will say this, and we (laughs) we, we 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 don't have to hone in on this too much... But I was far more impressed with 
Eric Bieniemy answering questions about him not being hired than Dan Campbell answering questions about him being hired. Like I thought that Eric Bieniemy was way more head coachy when he answered the questions about him not getting one of these jobs so far than Dan Campbell at his press conference. We could talk about that at another time, but what I my point I wanted to make before we got to that is those three hires do give me pause about the fact that Bieniemy <laughs> didn't get one of them and who's to say that doesn't mean that he's already told people i want houston and that's why uh because he, he has said that he likes deshaun watson too and that's the guy deshaun wants and if houston really wants to keep deshaun which is what everybody is saying right now that they are not fielding offers for deshaun watson is that you know you go get the guy he wanted that that'll fix it not entirely but it'll it'll help a lot you know i just don't see and i can't understand why a guy like sirianni who is less of a resume than Eric Bieniemy does. I don't know how you feel about that, but less of a resume than he does. And the number one question about Sirianni is he doesn't call the plays Frank Reich does, which is the question that's been about Bieniemy. That's been the knock on Bieniemy is that it's Andy Reid. He calls the plays. And I think the only answer to this question is that he has loose ties to Carson Wentz. And that's all. And even that, I still question because I still think Eric Bieniemy would be a better guy for him. And who's to say he didn't want Philly? You know what I mean? We don't know the inner workings. I just think it's weird that this guy doesn't have a job yet. I just think it's weird. Well, I mean, he couldn't have a job yet. But no, I that sorry, I, I know that. I'm just saying that like I'm surprised that all these people have hired. And is it really again? I I don't know. It's. I would be I would be pretty shocked if the enemy isn't offered the Houston job just because the popular names the popular names if you will have already been hired so what's Houston waiting for if not this guy what are they trying to do and that's yeah that's a great and somebody said that Philly that Philly kind of wanted Sirianni to begin with or they wanted somebody from Reich's stack, staff because they want to fix Wentz, which kind of makes sense, but I still feel like, kind it's, of, but I, I still feel like it's settling to pick a random OC that doesn't call plays and it's only been an OC for a little bit, you know? So I will say this, which is going to be a little cynical and critical of Philadelphia. I'm curious if they brought in this young man... For all intents and purposes, I don't even think he's 40 years old yet. No, I think he's 39. I think he is 39. If this is because upper management wants to have more control over head coach than what they could have got, what what was the reason for getting rid of Peterson? I think something he happened. Autonomy, I, think. I think something happened where heads were butted, egos got in the way. So did they hire this guy because they want him to be a uh, puppet? Puppet, if you will. Yeah, that was the exact word I was gonna say. But you know, I I don't know. It seems somebody that's, that's shady. But. Somebody this morning on Get Up did say they said they were pretty vehement about it. They said they wanted a guy that is a a Carson Wentz guy and b a guy that's just going to listen to what he's told. And I was like, I would feel kind of shitty if I were that coach. You know what I mean? Uh, again, I don't know who's to say it doesn't work out. He doesn't become a superstar coach, and him and Carson Wentz figure it out. You know what I mean? We'll we will not know until we see it happen on the field. I just. I I will come on the show and rant for 10 minutes if Eric Bieniemy is not the Houston coach. And it's not because Eric Bieniemy didn't want it. Like if Eric Bieniemy is at this point is just like, let's wait until next season because I think there's going to be a couple of juicy openings next season. 
Yeah, I mean, he came out. He came out and said he wanted but he, a job. And I loved what he said in his press. I don't know if you watched what he said to I that answer. I did not answer, watch it. But he was like, he he sounded like a head coach to me. He said he was like, obviously, that's the goal. Oh, that's so you what just I want. think biting people's kneecaps <laughs> off is not head coach like? Can you believe? I can't even <laughs> listen. I I love the I love the, the I, I love the idea that you want to fire your guys up and stuff. But Sulla did the same thing. But Sulla did it far more. Like professionally, in my opinion, because Sulla said, "What was his word?" He was like, um, "All gas, no break." And it, so he was like saying the same thing. He just was being more head coachy about it. I'm like, Dan Campbell, what are you doing? What I are you loved, say? I loved everything about I th- it. Uh, w- he can do what he wants to do. I feel like he should be fined. Okay, <laughs> he didn't do anything. He's basically wrong. doing. He's basically doing bounty gate at the open no, press conference. That's literally what I'm not. Listen, I'm not. I'm not even saying that. I'm not even as against Bounty Gate as a lot of people were. I'm saying that I don't get why. Like that's literally the same thing that that Greg Williams was saying, and that they caught him on tape saying. He, I, I can't. I, I get what he was trying to say, but it sounded so bad. And the more I listen to it, the more cringy it is for me. Uh, I <laughs> I know you said we'd talk about it later, but we can just, talk about it. I'm okay. I like the guy. A guy. I wanted. I liked him when he was the interim in in Miami. A guy that ended his playing career on the. 0-16 Lions oh, to come rough. in and oh, know rough. what it's like in that city and to know that the pain that that organization's been through, I think you need to bring that spunk. And that's that's Detroit. And not to say anything negative about Detroit, but Detroit's a tough town. Yeah. Like, you think about it, like, they're... That's true. They're just a, a gritty group of people. So, you know, to have a guy that's going to speak like them, not to be like, I'm up here and I'm going to talk to you like gentlemen. I actually... I mean, he's the antithesis of Matt Patricia, for one. <laughs> and for another, I, I actually love the way you spun him being on the 0-16 team. Because all morning on every single media, when they were criticizing the Dan Campbell hire, they were saying, you just hired a guy who was last time with the Lions, he was 0-16. I love that you spun that positive. I really, truly do. I think, it's I, a, I think it's a big motivational and I, factor. And we talked about it at, the, at first glance. I liked it. I, and I think that he... I don't know X's and O's wise. I mean, wasn't he the offensive line coach for New Orleans? He was their tight ends assistant head coach. Because he played tight end. I know that. Yeah. Um, But, so I don't know X's and O's wise what kind of coach he is. And we'll see. see. But I don't even think, I don't think he's much of that at all. That's what I'm saying. In my opinion. I think he's going to be the, oh, I forget what the word is called. Uh, there's a word that's called for a coach that just kind of like walks through practice and like stops and does like a couple corrections here and there, but just motivates his team. And I think uh, that's what Dan Campbell is going to be. Yeah. We talked about it. I and said I think Dan it can Cam- work. I, I just, said Dan Campbell for Atlanta a while ago yeah. earlier this year when we were talking about that because I just think he's going to be a great motivator of men. So he needs to get a good staff around him because I – I don't know. Maybe I'm shortchanging Dan Campbell more than I know. Right. But right. I don't think he's going to be the guy that's like, we're going to put together like this great plan. I think right. he needs smart people around him. I like I think the hire he will for a guy like TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> to what he can get them to be. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I just, it's interesting when you hire positional coaches over coordinators or previous coaches or college coaches. It's always very interesting to me when people do that. I don't know if there's another hire this round that wasn't at least a coordinator, right? Because Arthur Smith was the OC for Yeah, there were all these coordinators. So. Sirianni. No, Sirianni was a coordinator. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But 
that one that one I scratches my head just a little bit, not really, but but Arthur Smith, I don't fully understand. Yeah, that's probably that is probably um, my least favorite hire. And while and like and well, I before today. I can make an argument that I'm like just more of a shoulder shrug about Brandon Staley. I get why I get like I get why because their defense has been so good the last two to three years that he's been the coordinator, but I still think you know what I mean. People are calling him the defensive Sean McVay, but that's probably only because he coached under Sean McVay. Uh, so I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens for sure as we move forward. But I I'm gonna be really upset if Eric Bieniemy isn't with Deshaun Watson because I think the two of them together can bring him to the heights that you and I both believe he can go to that a lot of people are doubting he can right now. So I don't know. I mean I do know, but you know. <laughs> I know. Anyway. All right. So with all that being said, uh, let's talk some football for this upcoming Sunday. Two games left in the NFL, the championship games. Should we just do them in order? Let's do it. So we're going to start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling up to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers so we're at gonna, 3.05. We're going to do... Eastern uh, time? Yeah. We're going to do most important players, X factors, surprising stars, and then we'll pick them. I just want to say a little fun fact about oh this game before we start. Aaron Rodgers, in his entire career, with a lead of any size at halftime, is 70 and 1 in Lambeau. His one loss in his entire career was with Mike McCarthy against the Arizona Cardinals in week 13, where he was fired the next day by Josh Rosen. Yep. So. Aaron Rodgers, who's never played an NFC title game in Lambeau, gets to do it in Lambeau. So, yeah, I'm really excited about this game. I think it's going to be a good one. There's a lot of talk going on about the benefits of both teams, so I'm excited to, to dive into this one and talk about there it. There are. I'm ex. I I don't know if I should be saying I'm excited to hear you talk about it, it's because I feel like you you've been anti Bucks all year. Uh, so, but there's a lot of people that are just really. On the Buccaneers' side, ever even before the playoffs even started, and everyone was saying Tampa's the team that's built to beat Green Bay. Like yeah, before I mean, any kind of matchup yeah. was even set. I will say, first of all, incredible stat. There's 130,449 passing yards and 993 combined yards and touchdowns between these two quarterbacks, which is disgusting. <laughs> uh, that's for one. And for another, there's a lot of really interesting matchups in this game. Uh like, I think that one of the biggest matchups and the reason why, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, Championship Sunday is a rematch of Week 6 in the NFL, basically, because both, both of these matchups happened in Week 6. But I will say, in that game, the Packers got crushed by the Bucks. right? I think it was like 38-10 or something like that. 38-10. So, in that game, I believe Green Bay had four turnovers, and Tampa Bay scored on all four of those turnovers, touchdowns, okay? That's my key to the game right here, okay, is if they can get pressure and force turnovers, then that's how Tampa Bay wins this game. Because we talked about it last week, and we laughed time after time after time when he was like, when Joe Buck was like, if you want to be a quarterback, this is the game to watch between Breeze and Brady, and they both look terrible for most of the game. Um, last game, Packers played the number one overall defense. That was the big story. There were zero sacks and one quarterback hit. Aaron Rodgers had 296 yards, two touchdowns, and a 108.1 quarterback rating. Okay? So the Buccaneers are a solid defense. They're number one against the rush. They they're they're 
pretty good against the past, but their biggest thing is pass rush and turnovers, and that's how they won earlier in week six. And right now, the Packers are d- d- blocking for Aaron Rodgers better than anybody right now. I mean, he, he he. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but you thought that when Bakhtiari went down, it would be done. But they seem to be doing just fine. Well, and that's a big thing. So let's go and talk about the Week 6 matchup real quick. So you can obviously point to the score and say it was... 38 to 10 and they got blown out. Let's not forget that it was 10 to nothing with Green Bay having the it ball, was, yeah. which could have made it 13 right, 17 whatever, to nothing, but it was been. the pick six who so turned the tides on the ensuing drive. There was another interception down to the 2-yard line, so it was very very quickly it turned real quick it got out of hand. 10. And I remember so, talking about that game the next week where I I don't know if you agree with me, but that's exactly what I said is it got out of hand too quick and that's what it was. So, let's just not pretend that it very easily could have been another, could have been 38 to 10 the other way. Had it could have been. Just <laughs> something not come up. The other key points I want to take away from that game is obviously the protection was really bad. That was the most rattled Aaron Rodgers has been mm-hmm. all season long. And everyone's pointing to, oh, David Bakhtiari is out of this game mm-hmm. now. So it's going to be even worse. Well, technically, technically, game. he did start the last game, but he left pretty. He early. left pretty early on, so yeah. everything got reshuffled at that moment. Which kind of, which is, which is obviously to going right to be in the middle of a game. This this team that's been playing, they've gelled together more so than being like, oh, now you got to go over there and you're going to move here. So there's going to be more continuity there, and I think that's really important. The last thing I want to say is the game week six was right after Devonte Adams' return from his two and a half game injury and I think there was not there was if, if you can have rust between a wide receiver and a quarterback of those two calibers it was that game Rodgers was intercepted when targeting Adams because they weren't on the same page they're far removed from that mm-hmm. so I think those are really big important key things to take away from uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go to yeah, I have a lot of obviously a lot of keys. I'm gonna go to my to an X factor right now because I said we want to do like important players, X factors, surprising stars, things like that. I want to go to X factor because I think the X factor is the Green Bay defense because they're gonna talk a lot about this Bucks defense, which is number one against the rush, uh, and they are in the top ten in terms of pass rush. Uh, and everybody's gonna talk about how the they score against that, and then uh, the Buccaneers and their offense, but. The Green Bay Packers are top 10 in every single pass defense category. Top 10. And they are also top 10 in sacks. So I think that that's the key to this game. Can Zadarius Smith, who I was just watching a preview and said, I did not realize he had such a great season. 12 and a half sacks, uh, four quarterback hits, I think like four or five forced fumbles, like all over the place against the quarterback. And he had a great game last week. And I think that this, this defense... Mike Pettin, right, is still the defensive coordinator. He is. Great defensive coordinator. I think that that is going to be this game because I know Aaron Rodgers and their offense is going to show up. Nobody, nobody, they're going to score 20 points it easily. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with the Bucks, but this defense is the key because the Bucks can put up a ton of points. We've seen it happen. They can. They have a disgusting amount of weapons on their side of the football. There's not a, a position over there that's not average, not above average to great. And if they can get that pass rush, 
into Brady's face, which the Saints did a lot of early in that game last week. And Brady just looked bad. I mean, their first three or four drive, I think they only got three points because they couldn't move the ball. And it looked very early to me. I was like, okay, the Saints are just going to dominate this game because Brady looks terrible. And then they turn it around. They got the turnovers. They gave him short fields and they scored. And that's where this key lies. I mean, I circled and highlighted turnovers and arrows to the sacks and stuff on my notes because that's what it is for me. Is this Green Bay? De- is that is this Green Bay defense? If they can force Brady to make those mistakes and contain them, as opposed to Rodgers making mistakes, which he has not made a ton of at all. Um, that Tampa Bay game was by far his worst game of the season. Yeah. Uh, then that's the that's game set match. Yeah, I'm really going to be fascinated to see what they do with the pass rush on the Green Bay side. I think if I was talking about a Green Bay X-Factor player, it's somebody that's come on really, really strong as of late. It is the former ostracized first-round pick, Rashawn Gary. Rashawn uh, Gary, man. He has really been turning it on. He had one Michigan and a half, versus one and a half, Michigan. That's true. Had one and a half sacks last week. Has just been really turning it on. And... In limited snaps, I think he played something like 32 defensive snaps last week. So not on the field a ton, but when he's out there, he's making an impact. Mm-hmm. And if they can get him on the field, allowing I, – obviously, I don't know what they would do with assignments, but if right now Tampa has a backup guard in, if they can get somebody like Kenny Clark or even if they slide in an end, like if they make Zadarius an end and have him attack that guard with Preston and Gary being the outside guys, that could be, that could be a – and I don't, good spell. I don't know how deep your guys' defensive line goes, but Mike Pettin, for those of you who don't know, is a disciple of Rex Ryan. And that defensive scheme is notorious for rotating on the front. They want to get pressure with their front four, uh, which includes Zadarius and Preston. They use them as defensive ends a lot more than I think outside linebackers. I don't think I'm mistaken in that. I think they do, right? What was the question? I'm sorry. I'm saying that they use Zadarius and Preston far more as defensive ends than outside linebackers, right? Uh, Preston's definitely an outside linebacker. Okay. He moves all but over. But again, like I said, they, they they like to put their the, that scheme likes to put their best pass rushers, which is obviously Zadarius Smith, and the best place to win. So they move them around, but they like pressure with their front four and then exotic blitzes from where you can't see them coming. Yeah. So having a rotational piece like Rashawn Gary is vital to the success of that defense. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a great player to look for. I want to mention a surprising star that could happen in this game. Okay. Something that I didn't realize, this stat blew me away kind of. Do you know the person who led the league in yards per catch? MVS. Marquez Valdez Scantling led the league in yards per catch, over 20 per catch. That blew my mind. Now, we all know that it's a rule <laughs> that Lazard, Valdez Scantling, and EQ all have to drop their first pass. They all have to do it, but then they all catch their second one. Uh, it's happened two straight weeks, by the way, like legitimately two straight weeks, uh, jokes aside. But that's a, that's a factor for me because we know Devontae is going to get eight, nine catches. We know it's going to happen. Uh, whether it's for the 70 yards it was last week or 110, 120 for most of the season. We know it's going to happen. And Lazard came on huge last week. Four catches, 96, and a touchdown. So for me, they're going to guard Devontae and they're going to be like, okay, Lazard's is too. This is going to be an MVS game for me. I think that those he's going to have to have one or two of those big plays for this offense. Especially if the run game struggles against the number one rush defense. 
Yeah, and that's going to be a really big key because that was a really big key against the Rams that they were able to run so, so effectively. Yeah. And I'm going to be really intrigued to see right now, I think if I go with one more Green Bay player, and then we can talk about Tampa a little bit, is I'm going to be curious to see what the health status is. I don't know what it is as of right this second, but A.J. Dillon, because teams that have been able to run against Tampa, they run up the middle. They don't do too many outside zones, and that's where Aaron Jones really eats is he's quick so he can get around to the outside. We're tagging up the middle, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon. Yeah, and that 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 old Sean McVay zone run scheme of getting those stretch runs on the edge is what they do with your run game. Yeah, often. So we'll that see. pitch play, that quick pitch play. So both Dylan and Jamal Williams were limited yesterday. I don't know about which in, in the playoffs today, that doesn't so. always indicate anything. It, right, everybody's kind of banged up right I mean, now. And at this point, it's not so much you're doing like physicality and practices. A lot more is mental preparation right, and things right, along those right. lines. So one player, well, we'll go over to Tampa real quick. A, Antonio Brown has been ruled out of the game. So we have okay. So I this morning I read that they weren't sure yet, but that he yeah, has he's been, been ruled, ruled out. out. That's big. So I, I think it's big as well. Even though if you're going to go to a positional group in the NFL, probably Tampa's wide receivers is the one that could Scotty Miller and lacked, or you could you could uh, afford Johnson. to lose one. So I, I do think that's a big deal though because Jair Alexander. Now I was like, let's talk about Tampa. I'm going back to Green Bay. He's been really locked down. He didn't allow a catch for Mike Evans the first matchup. Even when things started getting out of hand, which I think maybe you start running the football a little bit more possibly, but also just to continue to lock down a guy. He was targeted once, did not allow a catch. Was targeted twice last week. Had one catch for the negative three yards. So, you know, he's he sucks. Uh, he's a young man. It's really coming on really, really well. So let's go over to Tampa, though. I was going to say, you're going to force me to talk about Tampa. I'll talk about Tampa. All right. Their defense last week was great. Sure it was. was. They're the reason they won the game for me. Tom Brady obviously had two touchdown passes, but they were easy after turnovers. And so, but I will say this, 5.4 yards per attempt per attempt last week against, not per completion, against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they gave up two touchdowns, uh, but they had three interceptions and a 55.7 rating against um, Drew Brees, although this also includes the big touchdown that Jameis threw. Uh, in the regular season, they weren't so solid, um, but it, which it's the turnovers and getting to the quarterback that helped this team. And if you want to highlight an X factor for Tampa Bay, for me, it's Carlton Davis, the starting corner, the number one corner for them. He's going to cover Devontae Adams, and that's going to be the matchup because Carlton Davis has been great this year. For the most, he's allowed a sub-90 rating every time you throw to that side of the football, and he's going to be, for the most part, on Devontae Adams. And we saw you know, Jalen Ramsey held him under 100 yards, but Devontae still had nine catches and a touchdown. And it's infamous the infamous because it was last week but it's <laughs> it's it's well documented how hot Jalen got after that touchdown because they used him in motion a couple of times and Rodgers just completely gunned it no laces to Devontae for a touchdown it was awesome but you know Jalen couldn't handle it so good luck Carlton Davis but that's next factor for me if he can lock down the number one guy we'll see if Rodgers can rely on Lazard and MVS and EQ to do it I like you saying that. I'm going to take a little bit lower hanging fruit, and mine's just because Devin White. I don't. He's I don't know sensational. How this He's guy absolutely didn't sensational. Get voted to the Pro Bowl, uh, but 
you know, he's just all over the field and he can be a complete game changer. So if you're talking about Carlton Davis, if he's being sticky on Devontae, are you going to be able to find Lazard and MVS and Tunyon doing crossing routes and things like that against a a linebacker of that speed and that physicality? So that's going to be a really great chess match going on right there. Yeah, and and, uh, to tilt it to the offensive side for Tampa Bay, uh, for them, most important to me is Leonard Fournette because, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they, I don't like when guys just are super simple with like, you need to run the football uh, because actually when a lot of times when they ran the football against the Saints, even though they ended up having like an overall good day at the end, they struggled a lot because they ran a lot on first down and they were getting like one yard, zero yard, and then you get to second and 10 or second and 11 and that's a terrible place to be. Uh, so you want to throw it more on first down because people think you're going to run it, but that's a whole analytics discussion that we can have another time. What I'm saying is that I think that Leonard Fournette, 100 scrimmage yard, 100 plus scrimmage yards and a touchdown, came on when Ronald Jones got knocked out early because I think he started and got knocked out early, or he was either in the game and just didn't play a lot. But Fournette got the, was the lead back for the end of the game. And he was a player that they signed early on when Jacksonville cut him. And we were like, are you kidding me? They're going to get him now, too. Yep. Uh, this is before Antonio Brown. So I think that he can be a, a, a very key factor in this game. We know that in the playoffs, Tom Brady loves when he gets down to the goal line to just hand it off to his big back to jump over the top or, or go right down the middle. So I think that Fournette can be a big factor in, against a Packers rush defense that has been known to give up big games against uh, you know they obviously did against Dalvin Cook but then to play devil's advocate against myself here they held Derrick Henry but to like nothing when they played the Titans but last week Cam Akers had over 100 yards scrimmage so they can be kind of inconsistent with their rush defense they sure can and that's going to be an important factor in this game it will be it will be and uh, a lot of they they have done very well at times. Yeah. I mean, Derrick Henry did have, I, it was something like 98 yards. Oh, did he really end up having that much? He had a, a good, it was it was I the first he time they held him that, under. But... It wasn't anything like the Baltimore game. but Of course. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty impossible. But uh, a big strategy that Green Bay has deployed to neutralize running backs is they try to get the score up so high that they kind of eliminate the running game. Which works for them. <laughs> so one thing I will say before we move on to talk about the second game, if you're ready to wrap this up, I'm just curious to talk about the weather. Because obviously that was something Aaron Rodgers uh, years ago when they got shellacked by Atlanta in the championship game. There's the famous scene of him sitting on the bench with Jordy Nelson saying, we really need to get one of these at home. And so he finally got one and there's the, the mystique of Lambeau field and being outside. And some people are like, that doesn't matter, which I think it does matter personally. Maybe that's just me convincing myself, but also, I mean, obviously Tom Brady, he played in new England. He's used to the cold, but I think this is going to be a really big deal. Let's take away the Washington game a couple of weeks ago in the wild card game. Okay. So before that to go outside of a dome, or somewhere Carolina would have been the coldest game that they had since November 2nd when they went to New York. Wow. It's always been a dome. So they played Falcons at home. They played Detroit dome. They played the Falcons in their stadium dome. They played the bucket. They played the Vikings at home. The chiefs came there. The Rams went there. They went to Carolina 
they played the Saints in a dome, and then you get to New York, which was we talked about not a shining example of them being great. Other than that, then if you go back even further than that, they played Las Vegas in their dome. Then they played the Pack at home. Before that, they played Chicago on October eighth, and that was a game that we were not impressed with Tampa at all. Pretty sure they lost that game. They did lose. It was a one point game in favor of Chicago. So if you look at it, I think there's been one kind of impressive game outside in non-controlled factors and obviously being like outside in Tampa doesn't mean like there's still wind and whatnot but it's it's not going to be 25 degrees windy like Lambeau was Washington and I think we both saw some struggle from that team obviously they put up 31 and they won the game and that's great but I think it's silly to be like that doesn't matter yeah I definitely again you know I'm not gonna say nice things about Tampa Bay right now because I don't. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go right to what I think. I think Green Bay wins this by two scores. Oh, I, I I have Packers thirty five, Bucks twenty three. That's my game right here. I think I think that it'll be a close game until like the middle of the third quarter. Adjustments were made, and then I think Packs score two in a row, and it just remains out of reach the rest of the game. Oh, that's dang. what I think is gonna happen. All right, I'll give my score prediction. I think it's going to be Green Bay 37, Tampa 31. Well, you have a better game than I do. <laughs> I mean, I would take your game for my sanity. Right, you set up the next game while I write down your numbers. All right, so we're going to the second, the AFC Championship game, 640 Eastern Time. The Buffalo Bills travel to take on the newly cleared Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So Kansas City definitely survived a scare last week against the Cleveland Browns when Patrick Mahomes went down awkwardly, uh, had some major struggles standing up. We can't disagree about that. That was very, very clear as to what exactly happened. I'm not sure, but he has I don't think we still know right cleared now what the, quote, concussion protocol, so he will play on Sunday. Which I don't think anybody's really shocked by. I don't think anyone's really shocked by, but kind of a little bit. So I will, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set it up a little bit for you, and then I'm going to throw it to you and let you talk about a lot of stuff before I talk, okay? All right. Because obviously I have a lot of stuff. It's my team. Uh, this is Buffalo's first appearance in an AFC title game since 1993, which is the last time they went to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, Buffalo, The Buffalo Bills have not lost an AFC championship game that they've been to, uh, but obviously lost all four Super Bowls that they went to after they won the title game. This is Kansas uh, City. This says they're 4-2 and two having won the last four. Okay, well, then I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Kansas City's first AFC championship game since last year, which... Then it was their last AFC Championship game since the year before that. This is three straight years of KC hosting the AFC Championship game, and I'm already tired of it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, the matchup here, obviously the marquee one is Allen versus Mahomes. Obviously they're not going to be on the field at the same time, but it is Allen versus Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo's defense, which has played a lot better uh, in the last portion of the season uh suspect against a little bit against the colts but fantastic against the ravens the heck of a game kcd the kc team obviously the big question mark with them was were they really struggling in december or were they coasting in the first half of last week it sure seemed like they were just coasting through the end of that season and that's what their struggles were obviously ended up being a closer game than some people thought i know everybody's gonna say it's right when Mahomes went out but 
to be honest with you, Cleveland had scored twice and was making it close. And obviously the 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 play happened on a play that that Cleveland had stopped Casey and then scored on the next drive. So they actually made it a one score game before Mahomes leaving ever had a factor on it. I want to I want that to be clear because I don't think people are giving that enough, enough credence. Cleveland was crawling back in that game before Mahomes was out. Oh, sure. But everybody's like, oh, he went out and then they made it a game. That's what it was. It was like, no, they were crawling back in that game. So I'd be interested to see what would have happened had he stayed. I digress. Uh, I have a lot of notes, obviously, you can see. And I'm just going to pass it to you, my friend. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about this one. I'm glad that Mahomes was cleared. Uh, I've seen a lot of people... I've been following this this week on Twitter just because I thought that would be the first place to see it break, and that is where I saw it break a couple seconds after it did. A lot of people are angry about it, saying that uh, this is an example of the NFL and the NFLPA, Players Association, not caring about their players' health and reality, and this is all for, for show and to get better ratings and have the best game possible. The thing is, oh, I, don't, dumb. I don't know. I obviously wasn't there in Kansas City. I don't know any... I'm not, here we go, here's this classic line, I'm not a doctor, but I don't really feel like Mahomes had a concussion. I think most people don't think that, to be honest. And I so. think I, I think it was something compressed within his neck spinal cord from the way he got twisted, and that, I mean, Andy Reid basically came out right after the game and said he cleared all the tests, Right. but... Just with everything that had happened, he got put in the concussion protocol. So it's not shocking that we waited until Friday to get this news that he was cleared. They have to go through X amount of days to get something like this. For all intents and purposes, Mahomes wanted to come back into the game, but labels were put on it, which restricted it. So I don't want to hear anything about the NFL not caring about their players. They did it right because Mahomes wanted to be back in the game. And honestly, I just think... I think people don't understand. Yeah, and I everybody's trying to be the armchair doctor, armchair expert about it. Um, I don't think we have to dwell too much on it because I think he's going to play and everybody's going to forget about it once the game starts. You know, unless there's another injury to him, I don't think we'll we'll talk about it. And nobody wants that. And even even I will say this: even Bills Mafia doesn't want that. I certainly don't. And I've been listening to Bills Radio all week, and not a single caller said. I hope he's not playing. Everybody said, we want Mahomes because we want to show that we can beat him. And I love that about Bills Mafia and the Bills in general. We, you you want to be the best, you have to beat the best, not just luck out. Uh, if we would have had a crush in it segment, it was going to be Chad Henney for me because I think it's awesome. <laughs> Chad it, I, I remember, I will never, ever, ever forget the moment where I'm sitting on that chair, you're on the couch, and I said, it's third and 14, drop everybody back because Chad Henney's not running for this first down. And the second I finished the sentence, he rolled out and picked up 13 and a half. It was absolutely bonkers. Uh, and then the play of the year, obviously, the rollout and hit Tyreek Hill because who's going to cover Tyreek Hill for one yard? Uh, it was awesome. On that route, it's very, very, very hard. Yeah, so. it, it was It was awesome. And that's the Mahomes play. Mahomes and Hill do that all the time on short yard. It's first downs. Yeah, that was the, <laughs> that was the play that sealed the Miami game. Absolutely. So, so you know... It's it's interesting going into this game that everybody is so heavily on KC. Buffalo this season led the league in wins by more than 10 points. They had eight or nine wins of 10 or more points down the stretch. KC, zero. Now, again, I'm not saying that that really 
is the mark of a of a great team because a lot of the games that ended up being one possession, the opposing team never really had a drive to take the lead at the end and couldn't do it. But they were all still one score games, and Buffalo had a lot of these games where they were rolling over people, and then obviously they had a close game against. The Colts, although I think that with the retirement announcement of Philip Rivers, which we'll talk about, don't think we forgot about that. We both love Phil, uh, but we'll talk. We'll talk about it when we get into the off season. But I think that once we found out that news, it made a lot more sense why he played the game of his life against us because he knew it was probably going to be his last game. Um, and then we kind of manhandled Baltimore last week. Obviously, like our offense was much more of a let's just not make mistakes kind of offense last week because we knew our defense was in the zone. Uh, But I don't know. I just think this is a lot closer than a lot of people are giving it credence. So I need to ask you a question that you're going to know the answer because you'll have studied the game a lot more than I have. I'm not not sure about the Baltimore game, but is it true that in both playoff wins so far that the Bills have been outgained in terms of yardage yes it is so that's going to be huge in this game well in in the reality is it's our red zone defense i'm the people and the people who get on the bills are saying that we got we're getting lucky in the red zone i think we're just good in the red zone personally but I think it comes down to that, and my arrows on my stats on my notes for this game actually go into blitzing because both teams are the top three in play-action passing, both teams are in top five of blitz rate, and both quarterbacks are one and two passing against the blitz. Um, So that is going to lead into yardage gained because Buffalo and Josh Allen are number four in the NFL in plays of 20 plus and Casey's number one in plays of 20 plus because they get blitzed a lot and they beat the blitz a lot. Uh, so we can't have a game where we get outgained by this offense. We, we can't have a I, third game in a row of that or yeah, else we're no, going to lose. Absolutely agree and with that. Buffalo, we talk about, everybody says the strategy to beat Pat Mahomes is keep him off the field. And we've only really seen one team do that. And it was that Colts game. I was it last, last year? year. It was that Colts game last year. Every other team that's beaten them has scored 30 points. Every other team that has beaten the Chiefs in the last two, three years has scored over 30 points. <laughs> and it's not many. And it's not many. So we can play, move the ball on offense. We were number one. We were first in the NFL and first downs. So we certainly know how to move the ball and keep drives going. I, I just think it's going to come down to who beats the who beats the blitz more and who gets home because both of these defenses are opportunistic both of them play well when they need to in stretches and which quarterbacks going to make the mistake obviously if you had to bet life on the line you'd probably pick Josh Allen would make the mistake I'm not I don't think anybody is delusional enough to say <laughs> otherwise but Mm. The like I, I just I don't think it's that far separated because even if you put their numbers together, Mahomes has a little bit more yardage, one more passing touchdown, but uh, I just went through a total blank. But Allen also has eight rushing touchdowns, so total touchdowns he has more. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot to in this game to to uh, break down, but uh, just to kind of get us back on to track here i will say i think the most important player and an x factor for buffalo is on defense it's matt milano one of my favorite players on the team the buffalo bills are undefeated this season when matt milano plays 
I, I, that he are on the only their three losses were all games in which Matt Milano did not play. That includes the KC game, the Tennessee game, and the game against Arizona where we lost with the Hail Mary. So he when when uh, sorry, excuse me, I'm getting super excited here right now. So. He's the key to the game for me and the X factor because of that. But also, when he's in pass coverage, he allows less than 80 passer rating. For those of you who know, like an average passer rating is like 90. Uh, a really, really good passer rating is above 100. And then a great passer rating is like 120 to 150. Okay? So that's the key to the game for me because who he's going to have to cover? Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in you know, by the time he finishes his career, he might be the best tight end in the history of the NFL. He's been that good. Travis Kelsey, 70 plus receptions in 12 of his 16 games this year. So, you know, Tredavious White's going to have to be on Tyreek Hill, who has also been incredible, who scored a touchdown in 11 of 16 games. But Travis Kelsey, 70 plus receiving yards in 12 of 16 games. The key matchup for me is Matt Milano. Can he guard Travis Kelsey over the middle? All right, so you're kind of answering these question, this question here, but I'm going to challenge you right now, okay? So last week, yes, absolutely great defensive performance. Yeah. But when I look back, I mean, Indy was a was a challenge. Yeah, Indy for sure. scored on us. They moved the ball. So maybe, maybe, and this is a light maybe, maybe Miami, but going back to the Arizona game, which was the last time you guys lost, I don't really – L.A., yeah, sure – See an offense that's scaring people, though. So we talk about the improvements that's a to good the point. defense. That's a good point. And obviously, you play against the competition that you're given, and you have to stand up. They're grown men playing NFL. They're there for a reason. That's important. But we're talking about a different beast compared to Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos or Cam Newton, who was doing nothing with the Patriots. Yeah. So you're talking about Matt Milano lining up against... Kelsey and Trey White, who is really, really good, but has had some struggles at some points against Hill. So what are some other things you're talking about getting pressure on Mahomes, but how do you really stand up to this offense? So what we did uh, last game against Mahomes, right? Okay, so the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes have been blitzed a league low 24% of the time. Teams blitz them 24% of the time. The, okay. league, the league average is like... 35, 30, so almost 10% less. And the Bills blitz about 40% of the time, right? But what happened in the game against KC, week six, we blitzed Mahomes zero times. Zero. We sat two safeties all the way back across the border. Yeah, eliminating the big play. Eliminating the big play, and we dared them to run. And they ran right up the middle against us the whole time. Uh, and Mahomes completed almost every pass. That's how. That's that's what happened. And it was a game until the last drive where we could not stop them to get the ball back for a chance to take the lead because we had scored to make it 23-17. There were five minutes left to go. All we had to do was get one stop, give Allen the ball back, and see if we can do it. We couldn't stop him. I like the strategy again. Just stop the run this time. You got Milano back. You've got Epinesa was out of that game. Daryl Johnson was out of that game. Um... Our starting two corners, Cam Lewis and Levi Wallace, were out. So Josh Norman had to start that game. Uh, who's a Levi Wallace is a much better tackler than Josh Norman. But so there were people missing in that game for us for sure. But it's going to come down to we can't not blitz him at all again. But we also can't do what we do because we blitzed like crazy 
against Baltimore. Yeah. And it worked. It did. We, what, what, what was smart about it was we blitzed fast guys. We the, we blitzed corners and safeties against him because they were fast enough to contain him. It wasn't like we were blitzing linebackers up the middle who couldn't. How how famous of a video is it of Lamar shaking Matt Milano out of his shoes last week when we last year when we played them? I don't know if you remember that, but he just like made him look silly. So Leslie Frazier said, "No, it's not what we're gonna do. We're gonna blitz Trey White. We're gonna blitz Levi Wallace. We're gonna blitz Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, because they're fast enough to get to him." I don't know why I went on that tangent, but <laughs> I think that we need to pick our spots, and I think that we need to make sure we get home i mean it's i know that sounds oversimplified uh but that's what it is we can't not blitz them at all like we did last game because they'll just sit back and try to run it although i think our run defense is a little bit better than it was back then so we'll see what happens but we kept ourselves in that football game and it's josh allen didn't have a good day you know what i mean like if we can if you're gonna tell me we're gonna hold the kansas city chiefs at 26 points again book my ticket to the super bowl because we're winning this game i don't think that's gonna happen but I I just think Leslie Flazier, Flazier, Frazier had probably the game of his life last week as a defensive coordinator. He needs to have one up this week. He needs to have such a good game this week that Houston wants to hire him and not Eric Bieniemy. That's maybe, what it has to be. Maybe that's what's this happening. This is the battle for the job in Houston this week. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. I like that. So I can ramble about this all along. I just think that I think both teams are going to score. It's about who's going to get home when it matters the most. When it's third and 10 and Mahomes is notorious for either finding a guy over the middle or rolling out and picking up a first down, are we going to be able to make that stop? When Allen avoids pressure and slinging it down the sideline a la Mahomes, is he going to complete the pass? Or is it going to be stopped? Those those are the factors in this game for me. Yeah, I like it. We'll see whether or not Kansas City has Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Sammy Watkins on Sunday. And obviously Sammy Watkins hasn't been like in terms of numbers. I said he was going to be a breakout player and he's not. But he's still somebody you have to guard. Right. You can't just – that sounds silly. But he's no, somebody, but he's somebody that you – something different. There's a difference between – there's a difference between a guy like Demarcus Robinson, where it's like we know that he's a player, and if he's open, he's going to get it. But it's not like somebody you need. We need to key on the, on this guy because he's fast enough and good enough to just blow past past us. Yeah, and you were asking earlier. I don't know if you had seen it, but corners uh, yes, Rashad Breland and sure. Rashad Fenton are listed as questionable as well. I think so that's those huge. Are four giant players. If if Rashad Breland, who's their number one corner and their best corner, doesn't play this game, this complexionist game is totally different for me. Because if that happens, I think Stefan Diggs is catching 15 passes. <laughs> I, I'm like, because Allen has said many times, when I know it's one-to-one man-on-man coverage, I'm throwing it to Diggs. I don't care what the play was. Okay. He said that. And why wouldn't you? I mean, the guy led the league in catches and yards. He beats everybody one-on-one. So... If Brashad Breeland is out of this game, I think you will see the betting line get closer and closer for Buffalo. Because right now, Kansas City is favored by three and a half points. I will be pretty shocked if those guys are out. Breeland especially. Yeah, just, I think it's more of a banged up I thing. think unless guys are dealing with something really, really severe, when they get to this point of the season, they're like, I'm going out. I'm, I'm with you on Our that. guy Philly Rivers, uh, forever ago, played a game... Like three days after he got his ACL. In the AFC title game. Right. So 
you know, this is exciting. So I obviously know you are quite excited. I want to get your take on this, though, because I feel like when push comes to shove, you have mixed feelings about it. It's obviously great to have the Buffalo Bills be here and have this spotlight, but it also brings scrutiny where a team like the Packers that I root for have been here five times in the last 10 years, uh, all all on the losing side. But what does it really feel like for you as a fan to have barely seen the team get to the playoffs to, to be a game away from the Super Bowl? I think that's why I've been inconsistent this week with how I felt because there have been times where I'm like, I'm ready to run through a wall. Let's go. And there are other times where I'm like, it's going to be fun. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I don't really know how to feel because we've been so maligned my entire life. I mean, I don't, I was alive during most of the Super Bowl ones, but I don't remember any of that. The first Bills game I watched was Roscoe Parrish and JP Lossman leading the way in a loss against the Seattle Seahawks led by Matt Hasselbeck. You know what I mean? Like, that was my first Bills game that I ever saw on TV. Excuse me, TV. I vividly remember it. But I just, I don't know how to feel because because of how people are talking about it. And, I, and I've and i said to you before, if we lose, I'm going to be upset. I'm not an idiot. I know I'm going to be upset. But I don't think this is the best version of this Bills team. I think that, that we have not only not only the need, but we have the ability to get even better next year. You know what I mean? Like there are areas where I know for a fact we need to be better. Do I think we can still win this game? Absolutely I do. But I know we can and most likely will get better next year. I mean, you have a guy where, you know, people are talking about him being the executive of the year and Brandon Bean. I just, I believe in that. And so I think that, I think that plays a huge role in how I feel about this game. But I'm trying to the best of my ability, and we know how I get. I'm very impulsive and crazy. I'm trying to the best of my ability just to enjoy this because not everybody gets here, and not everybody gets here three times in a row like a team like the Chiefs or the Patriots before them. It just doesn't happen. It's very rare. So I'm trying my hardest to really enjoy this as much as I can, but to tie it back to the beginning of the show with my rant, I just get so annoyed when people are like, Thanks for playing. Pat on the head. Go home. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that is definitely uh, it, it's difficult to see your team do so well and get this far and then be dismissed. That's that's not fair. But I will say I'll challenge you in the next couple of days since we're only a few days away. I have been in a similar seat. I watched Aaron Rodgers win the Super Bowl when he was 26 years old. I saw them win 15 straight games the next year and you're like, they're going right back and I just know it can be he's obviously been this is going to be his fifth he has won or he's lost the last three so nothing about it is guaranteed so absolutely I've seen plenty of games where they've they've made it the playoffs most years of my fandom and they get knocked out in in the wild card or in in divisional game so I, I know how hard it's to get back to this game as a fan so I really do want you just to sit back and and enjoy it as much as can be because you know you're right the Buffalo Bills have a lot of room to grow and improve but there's there's no guarantee that they get back to this 
for for maybe a couple of years. They'll be back. They have the talent. They have the great coach. They have a young quarterback. He's only 24, not even 25 years old. So the window is absolutely open, but there's no guarantee of being like, they're going back next year. Right. No, so, absolutely. And I think that, you know, just as, as you're getting ready to sit down and watch football on, on Sunday to be like, wow, we're in championship Sunday. It's exciting. And that, that hasn't been said since what you said, 93. My, so my birthday, you know, there, I was, 1993 this was this happened uh the year uh, i guess it would have happened if it, it would have been in january so it happened before i was even actually born right so we but weren't we weren't really alive i wasn't yet. really alive yet so but i was alive know, for that super bowl but you know like alive. that that's that can be a thing right there there the bills went to four consecutive super bowls and do you feel like fans at that point were getting ready to say that they weren't going to go to another one before 2000, let alone. Did I, wait, so I really truly haven't been alive since we've been in the Super Bowl. Because was that the last year we went to the Super Bowl? I mean, that would make sense. I, I'm literally, this is actually a revelation to me. <laughs> I always thought I was alive. I've actually never been alive for them in the Super Bowl. Well, I thought I was. Maybe that's the missing piece. Wow. So, but that that's just the note that I wanted to say. Yeah, and I. Four Super Bowls in a row. There were probably a lot of Bill fans that weren't thinking they were going to have to wait 30 years to get back. Absolutely so. not. So, I mean, I, like I said, at the top of us talking about this, we're either going to come out so juiced that it's bad or we're going to be fired up. And I I tend to believe in Dable and Frazier and McDermott to have us fired up in the right way. Yeah, I think regardless, it's going to be a, a great, great game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout in any sense of the word. I don't I, listen, think. I, I recalled at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm just going to stick with it on the show. I'm sticking with it. Buffalo 37, KC 36. Oh, my goodness. Adam, a one-point Adam, game. Adam Rossi has a heart attack, and we win. I run out that, and I run through the snow screaming we're going to the Super Bowl. I grab a broken table that I have in my room, and I'm going to break it again. It's going to be great. I love it. Um, I'm not going to say that's going to happen, though. Good. I'm going to say the score is... I need to do some math in my head real quick. Uh, oh. Why do you have to do math? Because I need to figure out what I, I think... Oh, like what they're going to actually do instead of just picking a score? Uh, well, I'm picking the score, but I, it's not all elements of like, oh, this is all touchdowns, and you have to figure out... No, I'm out. saying that Buffalo's going to get a safety in the first quarter, and then they're going to score five touchdowns. <laughs> How, how that's not crazy that's what you got yeah that's what that's i got where you got your 36 yeah 37 37 sorry <laughs> uh i'm going to say it is kansas city 45 buffalo 37 wow uh do you see it as a buffalo scores a bunch at the end to make it close or no, back and forth? No, I think it's going to be a back and forth game. Okay. I think these two teams are too talented to let it be that way. I like to believe that. And you know, honestly, I don't believe in the Chiefs magic if it is if they get up 28 to nothing. I feel like that is in favor of the Bills. We'll see what happens because obviously they were up 19 to 3 against Cleveland, but in every other playoff game of Mahomes' career, they've gone down by 10 or more. So we'll we'll see what happens, but that doesn't always work. Oh, here's some oh, we're gonna get up by ten plus and mind. I'm gonna be so friggin' nervous, man. I'm gonna if we get up by ten plus, you know I'm doing a shot. Because <laughs> I don't work Sunday, so all right, everybody. All right, Championship yeah. Sunday. I do have a friend's fortune. Oh. We haven't done friend's fortune in a while. We have some new listeners. 
Uh, so I'd like us to do some French Fortune. I'll, give, I'll go first if you give you a second to, all right, all right, to do all it. Right. For those of you who are new listeners to Simultaneous Catch, we have a lot of segments that we don't do during the playoffs that uh, we do during the season. But one of our frequents is Friends Fortune, where Josh and I make a prediction, a bold prediction about the next season, and the other person leaves the room. So it's just me and you guys right now. Thank you for listening to Simultaneous Catch. And uh, my friend's fortune for this weekend is that Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes will combine for eight or more total touchdowns in an absolute shootout in Kansas City. Obviously, I picked the Bills to win, but the friend's fortune is just that they will combine the two of them for eight or more total touchdowns. All right. That's your fastest friend's fortune ever. I don't know if that's true, but in my mind it is. All right, everybody, for my friend's fortune, I'm going to make one for each game. I'm doubling down, going hard, and I'm going to the wide receivers for these games. I'm going to say that Alan Lazard had his best game of the year against the New Orleans Saints. In week three, before he was injured, he's been working his way back. Obviously, had the long bomb to end or kind of seal the game, if you will. I'm going to say he tops 120 yards in his game. And I'm going to say that in the Buffalo, Kansas City game, that Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill are going to combine for over 350 yards in their game between those two receivers. No, let's make it 300. 300. Yeah, I like that better. All right. I had a recall inside. No, I wait. Did, you what? I just said something incorrectly, and then was like, "That was stupid." Like you said, that was stupid. Now, or you said it during your friend's fortune. And I said it. I was like, "They're gonna do this." No, never mind. They didn't do this. What's I now? I hope that the first thing that you said happens. That'd be pretty cool. Um. Anyway, thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch, my friends. Do you have any tidbits? I don't have any tidbits. All right. Thank you for listening to Simultaneous Catch. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, folks. We are at Simultaneous Catch, just how it is. On Instagram, we are running a contest right now. If you go back and like our very first post, comment on it, a friend, share it, uh, or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. You, will you can be, win a sweater. You'll be entered to win a team apparel item of your choice. We we put jersey or sweater. I just want you to know that we will get whatever you want. Um, So jersey, sweater. If you want a hat, you want a hat, man. Obviously, I would want to cash in on the jersey. But if you guys want a hat or a pair of team boots, I don't know. A pair of team boots. Maybe you want. I still haven't gotten my jersey. Maybe you want a mug. I don't know. That's not team apparel. Is a jersey right here? I thought it was right there. Um, Yeah. You got anything you want to say, my friend? It's going to be a good championship Sunday, everybody. We're going to have fun. Sit back, stay home, stay safe, and enjoy one of the closing weekends and of the when, NFL season. And when the Packers and the Bills both advance to the Super Bowl, we're going to have a really fun segment for us next week. Oh, hot dang. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch. Go Pack Go. God bless.